0: If you have your version, you'll have our notes this morning. I sent everyone an email this week uh, with a devotion in it. Did you get the devotion, Thanksgiving devotion that I sent out? Hopefully you read that. It preps you for what we want to talk about this morning a little bit. And uh, if, you, if you're if you not getting communication from the church, we send out communication via email, through text messaging, uh, all different sorts of ways. If you'll just see the, the help desk on your way out this morning and just share a little information, uh, and uh, you'll be up to speed on everything that's going on. You'll get announcements. You'll you'll know what's happening here and there. And what's not relevant to you, just miss. But every once in a while, there's going to be something there you want to read or or you want to know about. Just grab that and and uh, go with it. I think most of you, uh, unless you're just maybe a first-time guest, you you wouldn't know. But uh, this is uh, Pastor David. He's our youth pastor. And uh, one of the things that we do as a staff a lot is we collaborate. And uh, it's one of the things we try to teach other churches how to do: uh, transitioning from an older model to to a newer model. Uh, in the older model, senior pastor really uh, writes all the sermons, kind of hidden away in a cave somewhere.
1: Yeah, the left hand doesn't know the right hand. Am I there?
0: And uh, w- one of the things we do is we collaborate a lot. So we'll sit at the big table upstairs, and uh, usually once or twice during the week. Uh, here's the ideal. That I want to preach on on Sunday. We may brainstorm a little bit. Uh, I'll go away into the cave then, usually, and 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 uh, bang away for a while, and then call the staff back together, read through the sermon. Uh, I can go through about four and a half pages, five pages, in this time slot of notes, 13 point font, quarter inch margin. On my, I, I mean, I've got it down to science. I know how much I can deliver in this time slot. And you all know that I'm not short of words, okay? That's four and a half to five pages max of what can be done in this time slot. Thirteen-point font translated to PDF put into my iPad. And uh, uh, normally when I come back to the staff with the sermon, I'm sitting at nine to twelve pages. Right. And so it's like shooting a movie. You get alone with God and you get everything you can get. And then you lay it all out, and then you edit, then you tr- cut. The most painful thing you experience this now, since you're preaching, yes. <laughs> uh, is when we say to you, "Okay, it's
1: it's good, and let's change this."
0: It's Two pages too long. Yeah, right? it's you three understand? pages too long for me normally. And so <laughs> then you have to figure out what you're going to leave on the on the floor, yeah. and and part of the the difficulty of being on this side of the of the, of the lectern is. Uh, a lot of is discerning what God gave you in the study was for you personally, for your personal growth, and what of it he gave to you to be a conduit to bless his people. Does that make sense? And that comes with a lot of just experience and time and, and learning how to, how to discern. Some of it was for me. Uh, I often shed tears in the study when I'm alone. Uh, I, I have private worship. I, God does things in my own heart. He, he reveals himself to me. He speaks to me. And then some of that's for you, but not all of it. Some of it's just for me, because so, I need to keep growing, if that right. makes any sense. So anyway, we sent a devotion out this week, and, and,
1: uh, uh, and, and it, should, it should be said that, that actually this devotional that was sent out was a part of what we took from last week's sermon. We we thought, we deemed it necessary that our people see this and put this in front of our people. And so, Pastor, not saying, okay, fine, you know, he he didn't do it begrudgingly or or shout or say anything weird. He just said, okay, let's cut it and let's move it and and make it more accessible for our people. It was part of one of the sermons. Yeah. And we just moved it out and said, the
0: the people need to see this.
1: And that collaboration, I think, is just, I I, I hope it's not so different from what other churches do, but I think, unfortunately, it is.
0: And maybe we can model it for everyone. Uh, we all benefit by community, by having people speak. Uh, so uh, Jack will probably be here in the next service to worship, but when he came home from school, one of the things we've told him, you're a freshman now, freshman writing, you're at a whole new game. Never, ever, 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 ever submit an essay. Unless we have read it, your friends have read it, the writing center has read it, the TA has read it, and nine other people have read it and edited it. Never yeah. write an essay at the last minute, Lauren Posey. I see you. Never write an essay at the last minute and submit it. Okay, it's a mistake. Yeah, it's going to cost you a forty somewhere along the way if you do that. Uh, the same thing's true in all of our lives. There are some things where you need people to speak into your lives. And it may be on parenting, it may be on child rearing. And I want to talk a little bit about faith and about church participation this morning because that's what the the essay was about. Let me get right to it. In Hebrews chapter number 10, God challenges us to live out what we profess. You profess to be a follower of Christ. You profess to live by the commandments of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 gives us a commandment from God. And he says in Hebrews 10, let me put it up in the multiple versions so we can read it together. Let's start with... Well, the old, in KJV, <coughs> or the old KJV says not forsaking. Not forsaking. and It's not exactly clear. It's not a word we use a lot. I have forsaken McDonald's that I might <laughs> lose a pound. We don't say that these days. So let me flip over to the ESV. Not neglecting to meet together. Don't neglect small group. Don't neglect corporate worship. Don't neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. Because once you miss, it becomes habitual. Has everybody experienced that by now? You find an excuse not to show up one week. Next week it gets easier not to show up. Third week it's gets easier not to show up. Oh my goodness, I've been out of church for ten years, is what it looks like, okay? Uh, don't let it be habitual. It becomes habitual. It's like nicotine. It gets into your system and you're just, there it is, okay? you got to have it. It, it. It's habitual. Don't let that creep into your life this not participating, okay? Go to the God's Word version because there's a great paraphrase on this. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, here's the converse. Instead, here's what we should be doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other. I thought this was about worship. I thought this was about church attendance. Do you see what the Bible's saying? What is church attendance about? We should encourage each other. Now, we all have to answer a simple question this morning. Is church participation optional for followers of Jesus Christ? Now, you live in a culture that says yes. And so if you say no, you're going counter-culture right now, okay, to what the trends are, okay? And we should be actively participating, but the question is why? And I think you deserve an answer to that question, God didn't just say, do it, because I said to do it. Here's why you should do it. Let me read it now from NKJV. I'm going to back up one verse. Let us consider one another. You know, one reason we worship together, because the reason I come on Sunday mornings is because I want to be considerate to you. In your faith, in your spiritual growth, in your life, I want to consider you when I get up on Sunday morning. It's not about whether I feel like coming or not. It's about you. You say, well, you're the pastor. It doesn't matter. I wasn't always the pastor. I was once sitting where you were sitting. When we get up on Sunday morning, we come together for corporate worship, or when we gather together on Sunday or Wednesday night with our small group, it's not just about us. We're to consider one another. Now, here's why. In order to stir up love and good works... We're here this morning to stir each other up in love. I have a fireplace, and if you don't poke the logs every once in a while, they get black, and the heat diminishes, and they die. But if I get in there with the poker and poke that thing around a little bit, flip a log or two, stir things up a little, in just a few seconds, smoke, 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 poof, flames burst out, heat radiates into the room, and we're on fire and going again. We're to consider one another to stir up love and good works. I'm not saying poke at each other, but I'm saying stir each other up in a positive way okay? for love and good works. Now the next verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You see, that's why. Attend church, but the verse before tells you why to participate in community, to encourage members, to stir each other up, to encourage each other. You've had a rough week. This is the place to be on a Sunday morning. So you can be encouraged and you can be loved and you, you can be edified.
1: Yeah, and there's, and there's this presence and participation factor that really like blend into what Hebrews is saying here. Without your presence and without your participation, people in the body are lacking. We miss out when you're not here. I mean, it, it, it couldn't be any clearer from the text. We miss out when you're not here, and there's legitimate reasons to miss church, right? But sure, but if it's everyone like needs said, to go on vacation, absolutely, absolutely. But when if, you're sick, you don't need to be
0: here. We don't want it. Okay, right. yeah, get some rest, that's eat right. some chicken soup, stay at home.
1: <laughs> there's legitimate reasons, but if it becomes like you said a habit, then there's a problem there because now you're taking away from God's family. You're taking away what we can experience together, and it, it makes me kind of think about. Um, like what's really special about live events and about concerts. Who, who's ever been to a Cowboys game? Several of us. Okay, uh, I've never been so someone needs to take me. Just say that out loud. Uh, if you've ever been to a Cowboys game or a live concert some kind of event like that It's not just that you're seeing the person or the thing that you love. It's that you're with hundreds of others who are also agreeing with you. And there's something about that presence and participation. We could say it this way, agreement and connection. Agreement and connection, for whatever reason, become infectious for us. Can you tell us why that is and kind of how that works on a Sunday morning Pastor, Can you just imagine? So we watched
0: that. A&M West Virginia. Uh, No, no, A&M. A&M played. Sorry, sorry, sorry. OU West Virginia. They hung 100 points on the board. Yeah. And we were like, holy Mac, most points score. I mean, it was like this unbelievable game. No defense. 24 hours later, A&M and LSU hung almost 200 <laughs> points on the board. You may say, who stayed up to watch it to the end last night? Let's go ahead and be honest. All the heralds were up right there <laughs> in the living room, cheering, screaming. And, uh, uh, you know, can you imagine, you weren't there, were you, Spencer? Yeah. Oh my goodness. You got home at 3. You got home at 3 and you're in the house (laughs) of God this morning going to work at midnight. God bless you. Uh, I was sitting in the living room trying to imagine the energy that was in the stadium last night in College Station. It was a five hour game. No one left to the end screaming, cheering. It must have been deafening just the noise in the stadium in College Station last night. You we got we had an awesome experience in our living room. We didn't have your experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can you imagine what he experienced last night? What that's history. That's all they're gonna be talking about today on, on ESPN. Being there live, participating in the room. Yeah. You know, it's not so much that we love watching A and M play ball but being there with 80,000 100,000 people who love them it's different it's different it's unique it's a different experience listen i love jesus being in the room with 500 people who love jesus a different experience yeah. i can worship and pray in my house in my office in my study worshiping and praying in a room with other people who love jesus as much as i love jesus that's a different experience That's what we're saying this morning. And when we wake up on a Sunday morning, maybe it's because we've never been taught. Let us encourage one another to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We've not been taught, but maybe we should get up on Sunday morning and say, God, as I get ready for church today, I want to pray for the other people who love you who will be in the room. I want to pray for the people who don't know you who will be in the room. And God, I'm praying that by my participation and my presence in the house of God today, I will stir up other people to faith and love and good works. May they love you like I love you. God, when we get together, may my my being there help encourage other people to live for you this week. And that's an engagement in in worship. We come in almost passively sometimes thinking, this is just something I need to tick off Okay, what are we having for lunch? Okay, what do I got to do this afternoon? Okay, where do I have to be at 5 o'clock tonight? That's kind of the way our minds work, but we need to reverse that.
1: I think we're used to. I think it's because we're so used to worship, and instead of, like you said, maybe on a Sunday morning, preparing ourselves to be ready for maybe a unique moment where we can worship differently or in a new way or experience God in some new way, I think if we come with those expectations, God is faithful to meet those expectations and it does stir us up to more i think that's exactly what the end of chapter 10 in hebrews is talking about that if we make that commitment to one another he's going to bless us through that and and this kind of reminds me i just saw um on twitter uh i don't know if you're on that or not i don't know if you guys are on that or not but i I saw this on twitter there there's a, a church based out of california who just launched um something they call church home global and basically you can attend church from your living room or from your car, or at work, where you are, wherever you are, your phone becomes church. And, and the guy actually said, uh, in the video presenting this information to his church people and to everyone else who'd be a part of it, he said, you can build actual, tactile, touchable, real relationships with these people from your phone through the chat service that we have set up for you. Yeah. You can go into the lobby, is what they call it. And you can chat with other people in the lobby and create relationships via a virtual reality yeah, so
0: experience. Tactile is going to become the new buzzword among <laughs> among, so. among the modern church. It's been uh, relevant. Yep. Uh, organic. Organic. Uh, those have been the buzzwords of the church, and it's shifting yeah. a little bit. And uh, as we get into the era of what am I thinking with the go- virtual reality, yeah, reality yeah. uh, we're gonna have well, we'll be having virtual church basically. Uh, somebody somebody will get there pretty quickly yep. now. Where on Sunday morning you put on your your goggles and you're in the room. You know what I'm saying? And you're, you're it's a, becomes a virtual uh, reality uh, type of church. Cool. I want to be careful what I say here because uh, I'm very much in favor of technology. Right. I mean I mean <laughs> there's thousands of sermons in here and I've been preaching off of technology for many many years. Uh, we embrace technology. It's how we communicate. Um, but but the, the command is unique. It's about assembling together with a group of people for a specific reason to stir up love and good works. And a virtual experience is not the same. There are some things in life where a thumbs up or putting a heart on it is not the same as standing in the room and putting your arm around someone and speaking human words to them. There are experiences in life where you need to go be with people, hold their hand put an arm around them, give them a hug, or sit by their side, even if you don't know what to say, it's become very convenient for us just to, to like it, love it, frown it, OMG it, I don't know, startled face, whatever. And that is, that's fine, but not always. And you certainly can recognize there are times when a human presence is required, and worship is one of them. Hmm. Where you can't just put a thumb on. We can't see Brian may post. I'm at Cornerstone worshiping right now. You can't be at home doing the pregame, and thumb his. I'm glad you're worshiping. Therefore, I'm there with. It's not the same. That doesn't stir Brian up to love and good works. Sitting beside him and let him hear you say, Jesus is my life my I mean you 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 start singing about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords next to one of us and that stirs up our faith and our love and our good works you can't mail that in. The one thing I notice about the New Testament is when they came together for worship they were excited, they were eager, they anticipated coming together, they couldn't wait for time to worship. Well, they weren't trying to figure out how to get out. They were like, we can't wait to get there had a crappy week. Rome's taxing me into oblivion. People are trying to persecute my family. I can't wait to get in a room where I feel safe and I'm understood by people and, and, and they, they love my Savior and, and I can't wait for that community to happen. When is it time for worship, please? Yeah. And they were eager to get into the room to worship together. And that, when you walk through the doors with that energy, yeah. that creates an environment for worship. It, it, it's worth putting out there the, the the worship team will always be prepared. You'll never have to worry about that. They'll always be prepared. Your pastoral staff, I mean, if I got sick this morning, David could preach the message, Jeremy could preach the message, Aaron could preach the message. They all know what's being talked about. They've all read it. They've all seen it. They've all had input. Does that make sense? We will always be prepared. Nobody's going to mail it in. There's only one wild card in this. When you come in, will you be ready? That's the only wild card. Will you be ready? And I want you to know that when you feel a sermon go, and it's not that I don't have bad days, or maybe Jeremy doesn't have a bad day, or Stephanie doesn't have a bad day, or something like that. But when you feel something go flat Mm -hmm. in the room, it's not always the pastor. Sometimes it's the receiver. This is something Dr. Henderson did teach me years ago when he was on staff here. Especially when you do multiple services like this. In Ohio, I did three back-to-back. Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning. Each service feels different because each crowd is different. Each group brings a different energy to the room. Each group comes in with different burdens. Does that make sense? And we affect each other just by what we bring into the room. Spiritually, the baggage we carry in affects everybody in the room. And uh, it's just a unique unique thing uh, the, the thing to remember, though, is your presence is what is encouraging. Paul mm-hmm. said this in Romans chapter 1, I long to see you. Now he's writing a letter, but he said, I long to see you. This letter will not substitute for everything I want for you. I want to put my eyes on you. I want to give you a hug. I want to be there with you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift that you might be established. I can't wait to get there and build you up. No, wait, that didn't come out exactly right. Dash dash, English punctuation, whatever follows, will be a stronger statement than the first about the same thing. You with me? Any English majors here? Dash dash. Look at how the verse is written in your in your English Bible here. That I may be encouraged to impart to you some spiritual gift. When I show up, I'm gonna build you up. Oh, that didn't come out right. Flip to the next verse. That is what I really mean to say is that. I may be encouraged together. You're going to be built up, but I'm also going to be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. When your faith touches my faith, what he's saying is your presence is encouraging. My presence is encouraging. Our faith need to touch each other and you can't just exchange letters and make it work.
1: Yeah, sometimes a text isn't enough. Not you, enough. You said it just b- before, and, and we instinctively understand that. Sometimes you can't text something back to somebody. It requires a phone call, and you've got to set up a meeting to sit down and have coffee. And as, as virtual reality as our lives are becoming and as technologically advanced as they're becoming, there is no replacement for this moment and for a good cup of coffee. There True. is no replacement for that relationship that goes... Back and forth. So we're talking about how our presence is encouraging, Pastor. Uh, Can you kind of explain to us how does this relate then even further in our worship together?
0: Because when you're worshiping God, when you're praying, you're praying to God. When you're giving, you're giving as an offering to God. I'm I'm doing the same thing, but here's the thing. When you're worshiping God, it affects me. When you pray out loud or somebody prays out loud in this room, we all join in their prayer. When I pray in a minute, you're going to join in my prayer, and you're going to pray with me. It's just what happens when somebody else prays. When they sing, we join in with them. In, I'm worshiping God, but I'm joining side by side with brothers and sisters to do that. Jesus said in Psalm 22, I inhabit the praise of my people. Now, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. You agree? You agree? So when he says, I inhabit the praise of my people, it must be that he shows up in a unique way, yeah. a different way. When God's people gather and start to praise him, God shows up in the room in a different way. Now he's everywhere all the time, I get that. But he says, I, in, I live, I show up and I abide and I dwell where my name is being praised in my church family where they are singing to me. He said in, in Matthew Chapter 18, verse 20 Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I show. Now listen, he's omnipotent. Or why didn't he say, Where one praises my name, there am I? It's not what he said. Where two or three. When we start collecting corporately, gathering together to worship, I show up in a different way. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We're singing to God, but we're singing to. Well, my singing may not encourage anybody, but all of us together making a joyful noise to the Lord does encourage each other. And the proof of this is this. If if it didn't encourage all of us, then we wouldn't care if the instruments were tuned or the singers were on key. But we do care. You say, why do we care? Because we're joining in the praise with them, and therefore we care because we're all doing it together. And. One of the truths that we learn is my blessings are multiplied when I share them. This is why the, someone invented social media. Yeah. Because they understood this truth. Maybe not on a spiritual level, like you understand it. But my blessings keep being multi. A blessing can be multiplied many times when it's shared by my friends. Something good happens in my life. I post it on social media. I'm happy. I'm rejoicing. Something good happened. And then all of a sudden, 20, 30, 40, 50 of my friends weigh in, thumbs up, heart, comment, yep. so happy for you, this is awesome, way to go, God is good. Suddenly now that one blessing that's happened in my life is getting multiplied every 2 or 3 seconds, every 4 or 5 minutes, all throughout the day, maybe over 3 or 4 days, you know how you post on people's stuff, and it's like I relive, the, my blessing just keeps getting multiplied, does that make sense? Blessings are multiplied when we share them with other people. It's why we, as a people, need to share our blessings. Yep. Uh, we need to come together. We need to share with a small group or corporately. Somehow, let other people be a part of our win. It increases it. It just multiplies. It increases it, and
1: I think there's, yeah. I think it's really interesting. On the converse of that, our culture is so desperate for this moment that they'll even create fake moments on Instagram. You guys know what I'm talking about. They'll create fake moments on Instagram. Just for attention, just, 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 so
0: just so somebody will say something positive about my I life. I
1: need encouragement. I need participation. I need presence from people. And so it's, it's become a thing now where you can be Instagram famous and you can create fake moments and Photoshop yourself into looking this way or that way so that people will like what you're about. And when it's genuine like this moment, it just, it does something. It does something. It's so much more encouraging to us. Let's... Let's kind of shift a little bit here. I want to, I want to talk about faith um, and how this all correlates together. We've been talking about faith for the past couple weeks, and, and you said something that struck me, and I'm sure struck the congregation. There's a cloud of witnesses. There's back to the A and M example. There's a, a stadium of people who are cheering for us, rooting for us, encouraging us. On how can you explain to us, Pastor? How, how, how does my faith, how does your faith encourage my faith, and how does my faith encourage your faith?
0: F- faith and, and courage and optimism. The words are so close together, they're, they're like this. Yeah. If you're a person of faith, you're a person of... He told Joshua, be thou courageous, be thou courageous, be thou courageous, be thou courageous. He's saying, be a man of faith. And you get to Hebrews 11, he was a man of faith. It's yeah. there in the, in the chapter. Um, courage, optimism, faith are very, very much connected. Faith, faith gives me courage, but faith also makes me encouraging mm-hmm. to you. Now think about this. God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. He meant wealth. He meant faith. He meant all kinds of ways. I'm just going to put my blessing on your life. So he blessed Abraham. Abraham received the benefits of that. But Abraham's cup got so full that Abraham then could give to you and give to you and be a blessing to you and give you a promise, give you a Messiah ultimately through his generation. He became a blessing. Um, When you live by faith, faith gives you courage But it's like your cup gets so full of faith that when I see your faith, it spills over onto me and sloshes over onto me,
1: and you become an encourager to me. That's a really positive outlook on church. I think sometimes we come to maybe small group or come to church expecting to be yelled at, expecting to be talked to, expecting to have this negative experience that will then propel us to be positive. And I don't really think that's what we see Just out of the Hebrews. Opposite. I think it's a very encouraging, very positive, optimistic. Can you tell us more about There's that?
0: There's a distinctive quality. Let me say the way it should be. Okay, I'm going to speak it as it should be. Okay. There's a distinctive quality about people of faith. There's a distinctive quality about followers of Christ that makes them encouraging to be around. Amen. This is as it should be. And that encouraging thing you see is faith in people. They trust God. They believe that God is going to work all things together for His good. They believe that God is omnipotent, that God is in control, that nothing can touch their lives except God allows it to touch their lives. And when you live in that kind of faith, it makes you optimistic. It makes you a blessing to be around. Remember what we said last week. God is a rewarder. If you want to come to God, you have to live by faith. And God... Uh, is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He rewards followers of Christ. He blesses your lives. So we believe that an omnipotent, powerful God has the best, our best interests at heart. We believe that he is going to pour blessings into our life. He is going to give us, he said, in this life and in the life to come. He's going to bless us in this life with a wonderful life and eternally. In the life to come. And when when that kind of optimism is being spoken into your life, we, by faith, believe we can be who God wants us to be. We're born into families that have generational sins, broken models. Some of you come from families where there was no parenting, it was just World War III, it's all it was. You come from all kinds of environments of bondage and brokenness and addiction and abuse we believe by faith that you can break the chains of generational sin yeah. and that you can, by faith, unite with your spouse and said, it goes no further yeah. in our family tree and God's going to transform us to be new people and we're going to model a healthy marriage, we're going to raise godly kids, we're going we're to have a healthy home, yeah. we're, we're going we're to be optimistic, we're going to be encouraging, we're going to be what God says that we can be. And faith believes what it has not yet seen as though it already existed. Let me say it again. Faith believes what it has not seen as though it already existed. Which means I believe things about you to be true, although I have never seen it yet. When I see you, I believe things about you to be true. I believe you will be a great parent. I believe you will be a great disciple maker. I believe you will be a person of faith. I believe you will use your spiritual gifts to transform and edify the body of Christ. I believe you will do great things in your life. I believe you will build great businesses. I believe you will build, build great companies. And the wealth of this world will transfer into the hands of God's children and you will know what to do with it for the kingdom of God. I believe that you will... When I say that, what I'm saying is I see you becoming what maybe you have not even become yet. Yeah. You and I talked a lot about this this week. Yeah.
1: Well, this is my favorite verse. Read it uh, to him. It, it's, it's Romans 4:17. 17. Uh, it, it, the, the lead up to it, the lead up to it is God, uh, or, or rather Paul talking about Abraham, you, and you just mentioned.
0: He's good as dead, he's 100 years old, no
1: kids. I'm, but I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless all the nations through you, we find in Genesis. And and so the lead up to to verse 17 is all that. And then he says this in 17, in the presence of him whom believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. As though they did. And I think that's such a powerful thing that words can shape your destiny. We just talked a little bit. We sang it even a little bit. the, The words of God, the truth of God can shape who we become i don 't know if you've ever had a, like a phenomenal teacher or you 've ever had uh, you know a great parent in your life or, or a coach or somebody like that who 's told you something that made you shift and turn into like a different direction. I, I know that when I went to a camp called Kanakuk, I had a a counselor um, who told me man you you 're really cool you 're like a really cool kid and, and i didn 't think I was a cool kid at that time thirteen uh, year old awkward old ladies called me women, like a girl, because I had a very long hair and I was brace-faced and I was, you know what I'm saying, I was just an ugly duckling. And, and this counselor told me something that really shaped me. He said, he said y- you're awesome, you, you work really well with people, I think you could be like a youth pastor or something like that. He said it in passing, it didn't mean anything to him probably at all, but those words were shaping for my life. I mean, look, here I am. This is what I'm doing now as a vocation because of someone just just randomly, in passing, saying something to me. And I think that's exactly what is, is being communicated here, is that when God calls... Calls it. He calls, calls, calls it. This is a state. All you guys know this statement. Off
0: the glass. I called it. Left pocket. I called it. Yeah. Oh, wait, he's going to run right here. It's going to be a sweep to the left. Here comes the end around. Yeah. I called it. Hadn't seen it yet, had you? Nope. It even hadn't happened yet. But you called it. Does that make sense? You saw what was going to happen and you spoke it as if you had already seen it in your mind yeah. by faith. Now if we can do that with a sports theme right. or some other theme in life, he's saying transfer that to your life of faith now. Yeah. God, the verse says, calls those things. Yeah. That means God's in heaven right now saying, You're going to be a good parent. I'm calling it. Your kid's going to change the world. I'm calling it. One of your little girls is going to do something, invent something that's going to change humanity for the better. I'm calling it. In your retirement, you're going to do greater things than you did in your vocation. I'm calling it. It means God is looking at our lives right now and He's saying, I'm calling some things about. I'm speaking things that do not exist. But you know, when God starts calling things, they start existing. Have you noticed that? Yeah. That's how he created the world. Now what he's saying is we need to get in on this game. Right. So when he called his disciples, they were not men of God?
1: No. Nope. But they would be. They were
0: not disciple makers?
1: Now yeah, but they would. Be. They
0: did not even have pure speech.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they would. You, you understand what's
0: happening. And he's looking at them and saying, "Peter, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren." John da 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 signifying by which death he should... He's speaking the future into their lives. You guys are going to change the world. Did they change the world? Then why don't we follow the model of Christ today in Christianity? Why have we divorced ourselves from this? We have to start doing what Jesus did. We have to start using our language. Now, this is what you do with your children. Absolutely. Absolutely. You look at your children and say, you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. That's what you're telling your girls. You can be anything you want to be. You know, uh, we do this with our children, if you're a good parent, by the way. And if you're not doing this with your children, you're not a good parent. You can <laughs> repent of that in a moment and get on a new path today. Because the, if, you, if you don't know this about parenting, the way you bring, bring about this transformation in your children is you have to start speaking it into their lives, out loud, yeah. verbally. Listen, if your wife isn't loving, you need to look at her and say, you you, you are loving. You're going to be loving. You are the most loving. You're loving to put up with me. You start speaking truth into her life. Your husband's lazy, then you say, you know, I'm so glad I married you. You can do anything. You can fix anything, can't
1: you? You just keep saying that out loud enough till he starts fixing stuff. And this goes back to that optimism idea. Optimism has the power to change, not pessimism. Pessimism puts in place guards and walls and, and ways that we can manipulate situations to get what we want, whereas optimism and hope and faith create the behavior we want to see. And it's not manipulation. No. You'll feel at first,
0: because you haven't done this, maybe practiced it, right. when you start living this way, at first you'll feel like I'm manipulating somebody. You're not manipulating them. You see a version of them that they don't yet see. And by faith you're calling it. And you're saying, this is what I see in your life. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to be a great speaker. You're going to be a great, you're going to be great. You're going to be, you start speaking that vision that you have into someone's life. Listen, those of you who lead people at work, how many of you have at least one person who in the pecking order at work works underneath you? how many let's see here it's about half the room start speaking into your employees what you want them to be yeah. not in a negative critical way no. start praising them start speaking into them i see you could run this thing i see you could operate this i see you being able to show them the path show them the path forward
1: yeah that's motivation not manipulation correct yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's really good, and I think I think that's the way that Jesus operates. And we're not talking about name it claim it here kind of stuff. We're not we're not saying that kind of stuff. We're just talking about what Jesus did. You're going to be a fisher of men, and it doesn't and happen. It doesn't
0: happen overnight. No, no. He, it, and, it may take some time for them
1: to become. It takes your kids 18 years. Well, and what what else does it require? Not only what you say, but your presence. It requires your presence because your presence is encouraging. And if you're not present in your kid's life, your words fall on deaf ears. And if you're not present in your disciples' lives, your words fall on deaf ears. Presence and participation together are what create true effect. It's what Jesus modeled for us in the discipleship model. So I have this question. How, how do I encourage people this week around me so, to live? So let's, let's kind of wrap
0: Thanksgiving as we're starting to shift to the holidays, and our, our time's just about gone now. But... Um, there's no such thing as secret appreciation. Hmm. Everybody, just to sh- sh- lock onto this next few minutes, okay? There's no such thing as secret appreciation. It has to be expressed to be authentic. Hmm. We often deceive ourselves and say, well, I feel this way towards a person. It, it's not really authentic until it's expressed. Yeah. You say, well, no, I feel. Yeah, but they don't know how you feel. Therefore, it's not, the, the impact of what you feel is not communicated. They don't feel what you feel because you've not expressed what you feel. Does that make sense? And until it's expressed, it's really not authentic. It, it cannot be secret. And so, in a relationship, two different people can feel do, two different things. And there's nothing that stings like ingratitude. There's nothing that stings like not being appreciated. Sometimes you say, well, I got offended because of what someone did. Listen, most of the time we get offended because of what someone did not do. They did not appreciate us. They did not express gratitude for something we did. You ever give up a Saturday to help a friend move? You at least expect, listen, I have a phobia about this. If you pull onto the freeway in front of me and you're trying to weasel your way into that six-inch gap between me and the guy in front of me, I will let you in.
1: Give the thank you wave.
0: (laughs) If you'll signal and say, can I get it? I will always let you in, and I appreciate that little wave. I get a different wave sometimes, but I appreciate (laughs) that little wave that I get. Now, I don't know why I'm wired this way. I can't explain it. But whenever the person in front of me says, thank you, or they get in the wrong lane and they got to get over at the last minute, that's different than the guy who intentionally milks it all the way to the last minute to yeah. cut in front of you yeah, and doesn't wave, you know, <laughs> acts offended that you had, you know, had, he had to cut in front of you. Uh,
1: yeah, it's almost like it's forgiven as soon as they give the wave. It
0: is forgiven because you feel like, okay, they appreciate the fact they made a mistake, they're trying to yeah. get in, it's backed up. All I want is a little expression of gratitude. And gratitude and ingratitude determine where we are in our relationships. Wow. Please hear this. Gratitude and ingratitude are determinative of where you're going to be in your personal relationships. Whether it's parenting, marriage, uh, work, co- co-workers, employ- whatever, neighbors, gratitude and ingratitude. Gratitude if you express it, ingratitude if you don't express mm-hmm. it are forming developing your relationships and one of the things I've noticed through years of counseling is two people who are in a relationship can feel two opposite things two opposite things a husband and wife for example can come in and say we're, we're having some trouble we want to talk and, and one of them says man I appreciate my wife so much and she's like this is the first I've ever heard of it yeah. this is the first we laugh but it's true it's the first I'm hearing about it yeah. right now pastor in counseling yeah. you don't, you've never told her you appreciate her because when you didn't tell her, you said, I feel grateful for all she does. Or vice versa. She says, I perceive he's unthankful and ingrateful because it's never expressed. So I don't know where we stand. I perceive the opposite of what he perceives because there is no communication. And one person can think we're good, and the other person can say, well, we're, we're almost at the end. Isn't that weird? And you, and you live in the same house or work side by side or be neighbors or, or be family or be whatever. And you can say, this isn't working out. And the other person says, man, I'm so lucky to have this person in my life. And they're on two opposite planes yeah. because there's no communication back and forth. So there's a story in the Bible. Let me just take the last couple of minutes here and condense this story for you. Luke 17, maybe we should read it afresh this week. There's ten lepers. They, they, they're over here at a distance. They cried, Jesus, we know you could heal us if you wanted to. He said, i tell you what, I want to. Go show yourself to the priest, which is what you had to do to be, have a bill of health, to be proclaimed clean, to go back into society. And they were still lepers, but by faith, they went to the temple. We don't know. Here's what the scripture doesn't tell us. We don't know if it was a mile walk or a two-day, three-day journey. We don't know how far they were from Jerusalem when this happened. But as they're going to the priest to be proclaimed clean, somewhere along the way they look down and do said, "Hey, you—you—you know, your ear is back, man. You—you know, you're 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 whole again." Yeah. And so I can imagine when that happened, they quickened their pace now because now. Faith has become reality, and I bet they're all but sprinting to the temple to be proclaimed clean and go sleep with their wife, hug their kids, eat in their own home. You know what I'm saying? They're going back. Their life. They just got their life back. And so they're probably running, but the Bible says there was one. Mm-hmm. And when he saw that he was cleansed, he peeled off and went back. Now, again, I don't know whether that was an hour journey or a day's journey back to Jesus, and he had to find Jesus. No cell phone. No GPS. Yeah. Have you ever left your, left something at home and had to go back and get it? Now, it doesn't matter if you're a block away or, or 30 minutes away. It's still an irritation. Yeah. And I know none of you, your wives have ever left her purse in a restaurant and you had to go back or anything like that. That never happens except at our house. But if it's ever happened, uh, you know that just having to go back home once you've started to work is irritating, isn't it? Uh, I live 30 minutes from here, and if I ever forget something on a Sunday morning, I have to go all the way back and all the way back. I mean, I'm, it's been an hour and a half just yeah. on the highway on a Sunday morning, you know, and that makes you just bananas. Yeah. Yeah, it's it no takes good. effort. So here's the guy. He's healed. He peels back. I, it doesn't tell us how far back he had to come. That's not the point. The point is it took effort. It took intentionality. It's that feeling of going back. But the leper peeled off and went back to Jesus. Here's what I want you to think about. He went back to thank the one person. He went back to thank the one person who helped him go forward in his life. His life was going nowhere but to a grave. And when Jesus said, your life is now going forward again, he went back to talk and give thanks to the one person who made it possible for his life to go forward. There's power in that. Here's what happened. Jesus gave, here's a formula, and they had received. And there's one more step, and until it happens, there's something incomplete in their lives and in our lives. There is a cycle of giving, receiving, and gratitude. And the third one is the expression of gratitude. And until gratitude is expressed, the cycle is incomplete. If I were redoing the calendar, I'd put Thanksgiving after Christmas because once we've had the season of giving now it's time for thanks now it's time for the giving of thanks yeah. and in luke when the man came back jesus said were there not 10 men cleansed where are the nine only one has returned to give thanks i'm wondering how many times you and i have been the nine where God has done something in our lives and we just said, we're going to take that and we're not going to be deliberate and intentional about giving the things. I wonder how many times people have done something for us and we've just said, you know, I'll take that. The cycle is incomplete until we express Express gratitude. Until you express gratitude, there will always be something missing in your life.
1: And that makes me think of our faith walk as well. We can't just talk about, we can't just know things about God. We have to live out what he commands for us. The cycle of living in faith is not complete until we put feet to it, until we live it out. It's, It's like when you give a gift to your kids, you appreciate the thank you. The thank you is great. But the further appreciation of the gift is when they open it thank you, and then play with it. Now, if they just say thank you and put it over here to the side... It's a hollow feeling on Christmas <laughs> morning, I can tell you. You <laughs> it's will experience
0: it. All of us will experience it.
1: But there's something, there's something about the, the getting it out, being so excited for it, saying thank you, and then actually participating in it. Again, we keep going back to this idea of participation and presence. Unless I have made my... Uh, uh, my expression of gratitude known back to the person, like you said, the, the cycle is completely incomplete, completely in- Un- unexpressed completely.
0: gratitude communicates to everyone else ingratitude. Well, and it
1: repels it repels people away from you. Rejection it expresses rejection. What else What else are you supposed to think too? And that's why I think we we said it a couple of weeks ago organic. It's just a buzzword for nothing. It, 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 you have to be, like you said, intentional. And the more intentional you are in the relationship, the more that it will grow. The more that you're participating and the more that you're present in it, the more that it will flourish and grow. So, Pastor, what, what should we do with all of this so, information this week? You just the word intentional. When you understand what
0: God's asking us to do, So don't forsake the assembling of yourself. Because I want you to stir up each other to love and to good works. I want you to encourage each other. Tie that to our thanksgiving. Paul said, said, I want to be present with you. I want to be, and let's express gratitude. Certainly you can find two or three takeaways for yourself this morning that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Every one of us this week could be very intentional about speaking words of faith into someone's life and saying, you can do this you can be. This yeah. faith believes what it has not seen, as though it already were.
1: That's the way we're supposed to live constantly. Uh, well, I think we could be. Go ahead. Well, you, you, I mean, just thinking back to your Barnabas and Paul talk. Barnabas saw who Paul would be long before anybody else saw it. Yep. And who knows if we would have had a Paul without Barnabas?
0: You wouldn't have had the, the name Bar Nabas, son. Of encouragement is what his name means. Yeah. That's what they nicknamed him. Because he went around saying to people, you're going to be a great teacher. Yeah. You're going to be a great missionary. Come to Antioch with me. God's going to do great things with your life. You can do this. See, and he modeled
1: for us what we should be, which is present as well as participators.
0: Somebody this week. Here's an intentional thing we can do. When you're tempted this week, to just throw a thumb on it or a heart. Either get on the phone or go see somebody. And just put an arm around them and hug them and say, I saw what you posted. I just wanted to look you in the eyes and say, I'm so excited for you. Uh, we had somebody in the church lose a baby this week. We have people suffering with cancer this week. We have, we have, we have situations. Uh, if you can see those people this week, do it. You know, we have someone having a double mastectomy this week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some serious stuff. If you can see people and, and put your eyes on their eyes and put your arms around their shoulders and say it's going to be all good. God's got you. This is all going to be fine. God has a plan and a purpose. This will not defeat you. This will not crush you. This will only make you stronger. Yeah. You know, you've got, the, listen, it'll mean the world to them. Yeah, it will. Uh, We could be intentional about expressing gratitude this week.
1: Yeah, I think we should think back through our stories this week. Who has led us to where we are along Who the
0: way? Who is in your story that helped you go forward with your life? Do they even know they're a part of your story? Wow. Wow. When I was up in Ohio, I wanted to use a personal illustration in the sermon. And so I called the staff together and I said, before I preach today to your church, I'd like to hear a personal story about somebody's life who's been transformed by the preaching of Pastor Roy Mag. And they gave me the name of Jim Adgate. And he was, you know what I'm saying, they gave me the story. I worked it into the sermon so I could communicate effectively to the congregation. Uh, and as we were talking about stories, they said I was a part of somebody's story and didn't even know it. Hmm. I was talking to the missionaries, the, the starlings who were with us a few weeks ago. And they said they were at a church preaching and the pastor said, stood up and introduced them. And he said, I went to a camp in Mexico where he was leading this camp. And this man, this missionary, Mike Starling, changed my life. God called me to preach and I'm your pastor because of this man. The missionary sitting there who told me later, he said, I did not even know I was a part of his story. Because he had never told me. And when he heard it he was just weeping in tears thought yeah. that man's life was changed through our ministry such an encouragement he needed to hear that yeah. okay now listen who's a part of your story who helped you get to where you are in life it could be parents it could be friends it could be business associates school teachers college who knows who helped you at times break through barriers and become who you are right now do they know That they're a part of your story? Do they know when you tell your story? You could say, listen, I'm in a small group and I make disciples and when I tell my story, did you know that you're a part of my story? They're going to say, what are you talking about? And then maybe you need to tell them your story from your point of view and let them hear how their influence and help affected you at a point in your life and helped you become the person that you are. Gratitude is only authentic when it's expressed then it's transformative in people's lives. We need to break through that awkward thing that we feel. That's Satan trying to stop us from building into people's lives. Certainly, Jesus isn't trying to say, please don't share and don't (laughs) speak faith into people. That's not Jesus. No, No. that's not Jesus speaking to you. So that's a good short list of what we can do. Yeah. Okay?